You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. It's crossover preview day here on the Locked On Bills podcast, and in just a moment, I'll be joined by John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast, for his perspective on the Jets in this game on Sunday, and then, of course, he'll ask me questions about the Buffalo Bills and my perspective for the game on Sunday. And so that's the plan for today's podcast. Tomorrow will be our typical Friday routine. I'll give you my leftover thoughts. We'll talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills about the injury situation, and then I'll give you my predictions for Sunday. And then we will have a Saturday podcast this week. It won't be tailgate talk. It'll just be a normal episode of Locked On Bills with me as the host. And there's some talking points that I really want to get to before the Bills play on Sunday. And I just didn't have an opportunity to get to them this week on the podcast. And so let's just do it on Saturday. I think it'll be really fun. So don't miss that. Make sure you're subscribed because we have a whole lot more discussion coming your way this week on the podcast. Then obviously the Bills play on Sunday and then it is playoff time. And of course, we will get you ready for whatever is going to happen with the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs with the same routine that we attack every game that the Buffalo Bills are going to play in. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Do you appreciate a well-executed defensive strategy? Of course you do. You're a Bills fan. And just as important as your defensive line is, your defensive strategy against thick guacamole. Don't settle for weak chips that can't hold the line. Grab Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, the 6'4", 260-pound linebacker of chips. And folks, they've been keeping me stocked all season long. And these chips do exactly what they are designed to do. I love having buffalo chicken dip and thick guacamole, and I can rely on the Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips to not break. They hold up to the line, and that's because every chip is trained to successfully deliver the perfect crunchy guac-filled bite, and that's because they're actually cut and fried from tortillas and grown from organic flint corn in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market today and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills joined now by John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. And we are going to give you perspective from both sides of this matchup on Sunday. Obviously a big game for the Buffalo Bills with the AFC East division on the line. If they win, they are champions for a consecutive season. And of course, the New York Jets have been playing a lot better over the last few weeks, and they want to end their season on a high note. And so, 
John, as we kick off this, this discussion, and we actually have a 16-game sample size, right? It's typically a, a complete season by this point. I think you've obviously learned a lot about the Jets under Robert Saleh, and so I'm just kind of curious as we get started here today, what have you learned about Robert Saleh in year one as the head coach of the New York Jets? Well, Joe, it's amazing to think of how the time has flown by because I remember back in August, you and I and then uh, Mike and Kyle of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Dolphins did an AFC East preview show. And it just feels that feels like it was yesterday. And now (laughs) for the Jets, the season is over. There was a lot of anticipation heading into this season with the new coaching staff, all the new players on both sides of the ball. I think it's still an open question. I, I mean, to be honest with you, even one year in, we don't know whether Robert Sala is the right guy. I, I'll be honest with you. I think this has been kind of a disappointing season for the Jets. There were not big expectations heading into this season. I, although I think people were hoping for a little bit better than four and 12 entering the, the final game. I think a lot of the questions are still to be answered. I'm interested to see what he does this off season. And I'll tell you, if you look back at recent Jets coaching staffs, one of the big issues has been that the Jets have had head coaches who bring in people that they know, their friends, who don't perform well, and they have been very hesitant to replace them. Todd Bowles was like that with his defensive coordinator, Casey Rogers. Adam Gase was like that with his offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins. And you may have one of those situations right now with Jeff Ulbrich, the Jets defensive coordinator, because even though the Jets have issues on with talent on defense, they should not be as bad as they've been. And I said on Locked on Jets on Wednesday, I, I understand it if they bring Jeff Ulbrich back, but things have got to change heading into this, this next year. Uh, this defense has just not been good enough. It's a tough thing to judge Salah so far because of the talent issues. Not, not just that the Jets have had talent issues, but they've also had a lot of injuries. I think he made a good hire in Mike LaFleur. The other thing I'll say for Salah is the last two weeks, the team has played better. So it feels like maybe they're beginning to put things together near the end of the season. And that's with a depleted roster, but I still am not sure whether Salah is the right guy. I cannot say he is. I cannot say he's not yet. I think it's an open question. And I think it's, this is year one of what's a pretty massive rebuilding effort. I think Salah's game management has been shaky at times. Although last weekend, the Jets made an interesting decision. They were up four late in the game, and they went for it on a fourth and two deep in Tampa Bay territory. It did not work out. I like that decision. I wonder whether that's a sign where maybe Salah is beginning to get more aggressive with his in-game decisions. But I think it's just kind of early to say whether or not he's the right guy. I I wish I had a better answer for you, but I, I think we need more time to judge him. Well, I want to get to some questions about the offense, but because we're on Sela, let's let's kind of talk about the defense and maybe what some of those contributing factors are to a poor defense this season. Obviously, a ton of points scored. I think a franchise record for points scored against the Jets this season. And it, is it as simple as saying, well, they didn't have Carl Lawson, uh, Marcus May wasn't really a factor. They were kind of undermanned from a talent perspective to begin with, and so you excuse a lot of it, or, I mean, how much disappointment can you really extend to this defense given those, given those factors? And I, and I would like some thoughts from you on C.J. Mosley and uh, what he proved this year, because obviously there's still a long-term commitment to him at linebacker, and, and I don't think he had his best season. 
I don't think there's any question that losing Carl Lawson has hurt this defense. And I don't think there's any question that lacking Marcus may over the second half of the season has had a negative impact, but I'm not sure the defense should have fallen to the depths it's fallen to. Now you look at this defensive line. I just think there are too many guys who are underperforming, even without Lawson. There are some good players on this unit. Quinton Williams has not had the season Jets fans were hoping for. He had a big second half to 2020 People were hoping he'd take the next step this year, maybe turn in a Pro Bowl level performance. It has not been there. That's not to say Quinn and Williams has been bad. He's had some very good games. His sack totals are pretty decent, but on a week-to-week, play-to-play basis, it's been very inconsistent. He's been pushed around too frequently. Shelton Rankins was a guy they signed this offseason from the Saints. Again, I don't think he's been bad, but heading into the season, I was optimistic that Williams and Rankins would be a great duo at the defensive tackle position. It hasn't really happened. John Franklin Myers, ever since he got a big extension earlier in the season, really has been nowhere to be found with the exception of one game against Houston. Even Foley Fatukasi, a late-round pick from a couple of years back who had developed into a good nose tackle and had a good game last week against Tampa Bay, has not performed as well as he had the previous two seasons. So I think that there's been a lot of underperformance on the defensive line. And this defense was supposed to be built around the defensive line. And you also have to talk about the second level. I don't think the Jets have the type of linebackers that they need to run this system effectively. You have Quincy Williams, who they got off waivers from Jacksonville, who's, for a guy who was claimed off waivers, who was let go by the Jacksonville Jaguars, has been pretty good. But I think it's an open question whether he's a starter or whether he's more ideally a backup. And you mentioned him, Joe, CJ Mosley. Mosley is an interesting player because it's kind of a hot topic of debate among Jets fans. His tackle numbers are very high. Early in the season, I thought he was playing well, but... I fall on the side, I think you alluded to, that I think this has been a disappointing season for Mosley. They've kind of put him in a new role. He dropped a lot of weight in the offseason. They wanted him to be more of a sideline-to-sideline player. And I I don't know whether it's just the style they're asking him to play is not his strength. I don't know whether it's missing essentially two full seasons, 2019 because of injury, 2020 because he opted out. But he's just not been the guy the Jets are paying for. He hasn't been the guy that was so good in Baltimore all of those years. And then, you know, you look at the back of the defense. I mean, there are issues. Ashton Davis, who was a third round pick a couple of years ago, he's been a liability at the back of the defense. Misses too many tackles, takes too many bad angles. I mean, that's, the, that's not what you need as the last, your last line of defense. And outside of that, it's not just Marcus May went down. LaMarcus Joyner, who was supposed to be the other starting safety, went down the first weekend of the season. Uh, so the Jets are playing next to Davis, typically practice squad level players. Elijah Riley has stepped into a starting role and you know he's had a few moments but it's been more of a struggle he was the guy who was late in coverage on the game-winning touchdown for tampa bay last weekend so it's partially due to personnel but the area where i see there being a big issue is that the defensive line has underperformed and in some of the wins the jets have had particularly against houston and against tennessee if you go all the way back to the early part of the season those were games the defensive line kind of took over and those were games where they 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 uh, kind of covered for the weaknesses of the rest of the unit. So, John, would we agree that Bryce Hall has been a bright spot for this defense? And I hope that you say yes, because I really enjoyed covering him at Virginia and scouting him as a prospect. And obviously, the injury that he suffered his final season was very, very devastating. But to see him go to the Jets and be in this type of defensive scheme I think it's been the best possible fit for him. And I, I feel like he's played well, but I'll defer to you. I think absolutely. Now, last week was not his best game against Tampa. He got a lot of tough matchups. 
He had some difficult moments against Mike Evans, a couple difficult moments uh, in coverage on third downs when the Jets put him against some tight ends. But he may have been the biggest pleasant surprise of the season for the Jets. Heading into this year, the Jets had nothing proven at the corner position, and they were kind of gambling that some of these young players would step up. Hall was penciled into a starting role. Last year as a rookie, he got some playing time late in the year and was kind of up and down. If it seems like that experience he got as a rookie has kind of paid dividends this season, he has been very good. You know, I'm not sure he's going to be the number one corner on this team going forward, but he's proven that he's a starting level corner on the outside. And as you said, I think he's a very good fit for the system, very strong in zone coverage. I think he's part of the solution for the Jets going forward. Let's talk about the offense for the New York Jets. And I think it's widely agreed that the last few weeks have been a very positive stretch for the Jets on offense. And, you know, they've ran the ball well. They've really cut down on their turnovers. And they've done a good job of cutting down on turnovers since the Bills game. They turned it over five times that game. Then over the next seven games, they've only turned it over five times with never having more than one turnover in any game. And I think that's been huge for them. So I hope I didn't steal your thunder there, but what can you point to that spark these improvements for the Jets on offense. I know there's been a couple of players that have emerged, but I'd like to hear from you on, on your thoughts on, on the trajectory of this Jets offense and what you've seen over the last few weeks. Well, I hope this is not overly optimistic, but I think we're beginning to see some growth from Zach Wilson. He's generally making better reads. He's make, making smarter decisions with the football than he did earlier this season. It feels like the game's slowing down for him a bit. And I thought the game last weekend against the Buccaneers was his best performance. It seemed to me the first time where he was really comfortable and in command of the offense. Through much of the season, you've kind of seen the wheels turning. Things have been kind of slow for him processing. There was a discernible difference this past weekend. He looked like a different player. And as you mentioned, a couple of guys have stepped up. Michael Carter, rookie, who the Jets got in the fourth round. At the time, I loved that pick. Now, frequently, Joe, when I love a pick the Jets make in the late rounds, the player does not perform up to my expectations. That's not been the case with Michael Carter. He's been a really good back. He's done a good job creating his own yardage, breaking tackles, making guys miss. And another guy who's really stepped up, who I can't believe because in the early part of the season, the Jets were featuring him in some games on the offense. I couldn't figure out why is Braxton Berrios, who's kind of a backup player. He's been the Jets backup slot receiver for a few years. And he's also been a, a return guy. He's been one of the top return guys in the NFL. If we step away from the offense for a second, He's really kind of sparked the Jets on special teams. But last couple of weeks, he's really kind of carved out a role for himself in the offense. Now, listen, he's not the kind of guy you want to run your passing game through. He's got a somewhat limited ability, but the Jets have figured out ways to take advantage of the things he does well. If he gets ahead of Steve in front of him, he's got good speed. So they've been figuring out ways to manufacture touches for him, whether that's getting him the ball on screens, uh, getting him the ball on jet sweeps, some end arounds and also utilizing his route running ability out of the uh, slot. I, I don't think he has that big of a route tree, but you know he can run a shallow cross. He can run an option route out of the slot. And they're just figuring out ways to put him in spots where he can produce. So he's been kind of the surprise player the last few weeks. If you had asked me, I don't know, two months ago, will the Jets re-sign Berrios when he hits free agency this offseason? <laughs> I would have said, God, no. But it's almost become one of those moves that they have to make. I mean, this guy's been so productive. He's been such a good fit for this offense that, I think everybody wants to see him back at this point. I think he's got 27 targets over the last four games. And the next closest, if I'm not mistaken, is Keelan Cole at 14. And so he's really 
claim to roll. And like you said, the, the return stuff has been really good. The big return, obviously, against the Jaguars, but over 30 yards per kick return on the season. And his punt return numbers are really good as well. So I know he's been a bright spot for them. I want to focus in on, on Zach Wilson and his evolution as a rookie. And um, I always thought this was going to be a tough transition for Zach. You know, he's a Utah kid and played at BYU behind a really good offensive line peaked as a senior, really showed this dynamic off-script ability, got away with some crazy throws at BYU, and now all of a sudden he's a quarterback for the New York Jets. There wasn't really any veterans in the room, very um, new system, new pieces around him, everything, you know, a rebuild here with the, with the new GM and head coach. I thought it was always going to be a tough transition for him, but obviously, you know, he's really played a lot better here towards the end. And so what have you seen from Zach Wilson as he's navigated his first season in the NFL. I just think he looks more comfortable all the way around. And I think if the Jets were being honest with you, they would tell you that they overestimated his ability to be ready on week one. He probably should not have been the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. The Jets probably should have brought in a viable alternative because it was rough in the early part, in the early part of the season. Now, listen, maybe that experience has helped him as he's moved forward. I mentioned that with Bryce Hall, how some of his struggles at the end of last year, I think maybe have helped him in year two. I think it's entirely possible that, you know, maybe that four interception game he, he had against the Patriots at the beginning of the season has been a positive for him as he's learned. He's just looked like, if you look at his performance week 17 against Tampa Bay, he looked like a different quarterback than he was in September. Early in the season, you could see his head was spinning. His, he was really struggling with some very basic reads. And there are some plays I'd watch back on film and I would have no idea what the progression was because his feet was not aligned with where he, where he was throwing the football. He just looks more comfortable in every aspect. It seems like he understands the route combinations better. It seems like he's being fooled by defenses less. It just feels like this is kind of the natural progression for a quarterback. Now, listen, he still has a long way to go. He's not there yet, but I think as much as anything, when you're talking about a rookie is you want to see a positive trajectory through the season. And I think that's what we're seeing with Wilson. You know, the weeks prior to Tampa Bay, you saw some things that seemed like marginal improvement, but they also may have just been the natural ebb and flow of things. Last weekend was really a big step forward. And I felt like it was kind of the first time where he had put all the pieces together, where he was making good reads. And another thing about last weekend it's also the first time where I felt like he was using his mobility to his advantage. Early in the season, he was kind of bailing on the pocket as a first option. And that was something you saw at BYU, where maybe in an attempt to make a big play, he was kind of scrambling, not going through his reads. He was trying to get outside the pocket so he could make something happen on a broken play. Against the Buccaneers, what he did was he stayed in the pocket until he had to leave. And when he was under pressure and when he could not stay in the pocket, that's when he got outside. And that's when he kept his eyes down the field and tried to make big plays. And the final thing I'll say is that he's learned, to, he's learned that sometimes you have to lose the battle to win the war. I think too often early in the season, because he was looking for the big play, he was making throws he should not have been making. He's learned to throw the ball away and just live to fight for another down. And that's something that was always going to have to happen if it was going to work for him in the NFL. So listen, it's there's still... A lot of progress that needs to be made. He's not there yet, but you're seeing a quarterback who's better than he was early in the season. Sounds like a pretty normal rookie quarterback that has played better throughout the course of the season with normal rookie quarterback struggles. And so, John, as I 
I ask you one final thing before I let you off the hot seat, knowing that you have Bills Mafia as your audience right now, and this is a New York Jets team that has struggled in recent years. They got a new head coach as a rookie quarterback. Um, just a lot of polarizing opinions out there, a lot of takes on the Jets, where they're at, obviously a big media market. And so what are some misconceptions and truths that you want to kind of drive home as your as your final message here to close out your side of uh, being on the hot seat? I think it's that the 2021 Jets are just as hopeless as the past versions of this team have been. You know, you go back two years to 2019, Jets did not have a great year. I know their final record was seven and nine, but that was kind of a mirage. They really were one of the worst teams in the NFL. They had a lot of breaks go their way, especially the second half of that season to get to that seven and nine record. That was the third oldest team in the NFL. And that was a team that had spent a ton of money in free agency, reshaping their roster. It was a team that had hopes of going to the playoffs. This year was very different. The Jets really tore it all down. They brought in a lot of young players. And despite their record not being so good this season, you've seen young guys go out there and perform. Their rookie class has four players. If we take Zach Wilson out for a second, there are four players who are not quarterbacks who are playing well this season. And Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, and the second Michael Carter, Michael Carter, the second who plays slot corner, in addition to Bryce Hall. So for the first time in a while, it feels like there's some young talent blossoming that could help this team move forward. And the Jets also have two picks in the first round and two picks in the second round next year. So I think that maybe the biggest misconception and listen, just because you're trying to rebuild does not mean you'll be successful. I'm not saying that the Jets are necessarily destined for success, but this team is not the hopeless New York Jets that you saw under Adam Gase or Todd Bowles. It does seem to me like there's a plan in place. And even though success is not guaranteed, I see a pathway to success that has not existed in recent years with this team. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they have great nutrition facts. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They are healthy for you. They taste delicious and they help you eat healthy. And they have so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what is new. And of course, I have a deal for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's crossover Thursday, week 18, the final weekend of the regular season, the season finale for the New York Jets, the regular season finale for the Buffalo Bills. I'm John Butchko of Locked On Jets, along with Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, doing our final crossover show of the season. 
in the last segment, Joe asked me questions about the Jets. Now I will return the favor and get some insight on the Buffalo Bills. Joe, how are you feeling this weekend? Division on the line. The Bills can clinch their second straight AFC East title with a win over the Jets on Sunday. Are you as confident in this Bills team heading into week 18 as you were this time last season? No, I think that's the right answer too. I mean, the team last year, the way they finished, how hot they were 13 and three, it just felt like they stepped onto the football field and things went a certain way and they um, were very consistent. And we've seen that team at times this year, but we've also seen a team that is capable of losing to the Jaguars and stumbling to a loss against the Steelers. And they've definitely had some more low lights this year compared to last year. Now, I do think that the way this team has responded ever since losing that kind of bizarre Monday night football game against New England at home where the win was a major factor and the Bills missed so many opportunities to win the game and then getting down big to Tampa Bay and coming back in the second half and uh, taking that game to overtime and then what they showed against Carolina and then the second New England game and, of course, the Falcons game, it feels like they've recaptured a lot of that stuff from last year but we still know that this team is fully capable of laying an egg. And so until the uh, the clocks hit zero and the Bills have more points than the Jets, I think it's fair to say that my confidence level for this year's team is different than the one that we watched last year. Joe, how's Josh Allen playing heading into this game? Well, I, it's it's an interesting time to ask that question because he's obviously coming off his worst passing performance of the season and maybe in multiple years against the Atlanta Falcons where he threw three interceptions and, you know, he, he had a really strong for first quarter. And then I thought he got very aggressive and overly aggressive in a game where they were leading. Uh, I think the score was like 14 to five and started throwing just bad interceptions. And it felt like maybe he was chasing some big plays and maybe wanted to build his MVP case. I'm not sure, but uh, the, the game against Atlanta is certainly a, a low light and a black eye on what has been a really good season for Josh Allen and one that uh, I think validates the contract that they gave him. It validates the player that showed up last year and, and really looked to be dynamic and that type of difference maker at quarterback. And so I think for the most part and overwhelmingly the most part of the season, Josh Allen has been playing at a high level, but it's just kind of the, uh, the victim of the moment, if you will, where the last time we saw Josh Allen throw the football against Atlanta, it was definitely an adventure. Now, Josh Allen, the runner, still as dynamic as ever. That was a big part of the success that the Bills did have against Atlanta. They ran the ball a ton. Josh Allen, 15 carries, over 80 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And so you know that that's always going to be there for Josh Allen if for some reason the passing game isn't clicking. But um, it was kind of disappointing to see all the momentum that the passing game had and then to see it have a major hiccup, hiccup last week at home against the Falcons. Now, Jets fans remember last year that Brian Dable was a name that was frequently mentioned when they had a coaching opening. There were lots of Jets fans who wanted him, lots of Jets fans who expected he would be in the mix. Can you talk about some of the differences between the way Dable's run his offense in 2021 versus a year ago? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, the Bills are still one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, they're scoring a ton of points. They get tons of first downs. They get tons of yards. It's all there, but it's definitely a little bit different. Um, it feels like they've wanted to embrace the ground game more this year. Um, they've wanted to be a more two-dimensional team. I'm not sure that the, the run-to-pass ratios would back that up, but you could tell there's an emphasis earlier in games to get the run game going, and um, at times it's been pretty effective, and they've really shifted to 
Devin Singletary as the lead running back. In, in years past under Brian Dable, it's been a committee approach. Uh, they very much wanted to have a 1A and a 1B and kind of ride the hot hand. Well, this year it's been that to start the season, but of late over the last you know quarter of the season, it, is, it has become the Devin Singletary show in the backfield. And I think that's been a net positive to the team because, first of all, Devin Singletary is their most effective running back. And so not having to give running carries to less effective running backs is a good thing, but also it's allowed Devin to get into rhythm and just kind of feel out the game. And you've seen him a couple of times this year just kind of get better and better as the, as the game went on. And so I think that's been a net positive to the team. I think they've tapped in even more to Josh Allen as a runner uh, in terms of getting the quarterback power game going. The tight end has been a bigger part of the offense. Dawson Knox uh, leads the NFL right now in, in, in receiving touchdowns by tight ends. And so that's been a, a new wrinkle to this team. And, um, you know, they haven't necessarily been as reliant on the slot with Cole Beasley this year, who's not having the same level of production he had last year. And, you know, it seems like they've been more willing to incorporate different options in the passing game and kind of diversify how they challenge defenses throwing the football. And so is as true as it is that they brought back the same stuff, right? You basically swap Emmanuel Sanders for John Brown and it's the same team on offense. It's been interesting to see how they've really chosen to attack defenses differently and how defenses have responded to that and how that chess match has evolved throughout the course of the season. Now, changing gears to the other side of the football, the Bills allowing only 17.4 points per game, second best in the league. Who's the key player? Who do you think is the most important part of this defense? It's a great question. I think it's Jordan Poyer, the safety. And that's making me pick one because the the Bills defensively are very much scheme-oriented do your 111th and, you know, the scheme's going to win out more times than not. Uh, so picking one player is kind of difficult, but I think the standout has been Jordan Poyer, who has turned over the football in terms of making plays on the ball and creating interceptions. He's forced fumbles. He's been a dynamic tackler. I mean, the Bills are a base nickel defense, and that means there's only two linebackers on the field pretty much every single play, even if the opposition is going to run the football. And so Jordan Poyer, being able to play downhill and trigger and trigger and tackle against the run has been monumental in terms of the scheme working the way that they want it to. And so I think he's given up like 60 yards in coverage all year long, which is just insane for a guy that's been on the field, you know, every snap of the season, basically. So I think it's Jordan Poyer. I think he's the defensive MVP for this football team. I think he's a, a major pro bowl snub and he's been an underrated player in the league for a while now. And, and I think he probably had his best season this year. Well, Joe, as you know, the season's usually over week 17, and I actually did a little research, and there is one other time the season's gone to an 18th week, and it was actually 1993. It was the fourth of the Bills' four straight Super Bowl runs. Now, you look at the current version of the Bills, two years ago, they made the playoffs. Last year, they got all the way to the AFC Championship game, and I'm wondering where the expectations are in this fan base. What needs to happen for this season to be a success? Is it winning a division title? Is it the getting back to the championship game? Or is this season not a success unless they take that next step and get to the Super Bowl? I'm just curious where the yeah. mindset is in Buffalo. It's an awesome question, John. And it's been a, a heavily debated topic really dating back to preseason because there are people that subscribe to Super Bowl or bust, Super Bowl or bust. And John, I don't, I, I don't believe in that for any team ever. I think there's too much randomness in football uh, to think that the only result of a successful season is winning the Super Bowl. One team, one team wins the Super Bowl. And really 
31 other teams, their season ends in disappointment. You either not very good and didn't make the playoffs, you lose in the playoffs, or you lose in the Super Bowl. All of those options are disappointing. So we cannot. It's it's just not intellectually honest for me to believe that any season for any team is Super Bowl or bust. To me, the objective should be to keep the window open for as long as possible, and then within that, you kind of get a little bit lucky, right? I mean, it's it's football. It, it's it's single elimination playoff games. There's no way that any season could ever be Super Bowl or bust. So to me, this season is successful already because the Bills have completely validated who they are as a franchise. They've made the playoffs four out of five years under Sean McDermott. They've had three consecutive double-digit win seasons, and they're on the brink of, of winning the AFC East Championship for a second consecutive season. So you've really validated what you have And you've absolutely done what I said in terms of you've extended this window. It's open. There's nobody that thinks that the the window of opportunity for the Bills to stay an upper echelon team in the NFL is going to be closing anytime soon. And so because you continue to make that a true statement, I think the season has already been successful. Now, is there going to be a level of disappointment if the Bills can't stack some playoff wins and, you know, potentially go further next year? Yes but that's going to be true for 31 other teams as well. Very well said, Joe. I completely agree. And thank you for doing this. It's always great chatting with you and good luck to the bills the rest of the way. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure. And um, I'm sure we'll hook up over the off season and talk about where these teams are going. And as usual, a couple more crossovers next season as well. Look forward to it.